2: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
0: Well, this is something we've been talking about for months, and now the stories continue to heat up even more regarding Bill Belichick's future in New England. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio, and I, I'm not sure. I think it might have been day one we told you that this was headed in this direction. Joe, I don't want to pat myself on the back because physically I can't do it, but <laughs> you understand, <laughs> mentally I'll do it. But we were talking about this for quite some time, and (laughs) I I think really, as we heard from Tom Curran this week of NBC Sports Boston, uh, the Patriots have already decided to move on from Belichick after the season. Apparently did it after the Colts game overseas. The question is, where does Bill Belichick become an attractive candidate? Bill Barnwell uh, ranked the NFL head coaching Openings for 2024, what we expect them to be for the best and worst jobs. And I'm wondering where Belichick is the attractive candidate here, because I I've got probably two or three spots that I really, really like for him. And I'm anxious to get your take. Find
3: a spot where you have the exact opposite of Bill Belichick currently. And that's where you'd want Bill Belichick.
0: Okay, so. The Jets, then.
3: (laughs) I, I mean, I don't even know. We're not even going to discuss
0: this, right? Isn't it like
3: Belichick would never go to the Jets? He would never go. Okay, so so yeah, let's throw that one out. Okay, that was was kind of joke.
0: You got me there. Didn't really come across. (laughs) (laughs) Best jokes, are (laughs) The ones that don't land. Uh, Let's so let's talk about, for instance, the best job as Barnwell ranks it, is the Chicago Bears. I actually think. Let me jump in real quick.
3: Best job in terms of all the available jobs that appear to be coming or for Belichick specifically? No, 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 no. Best jobs
0: of all the jobs that appear to be coming. Okay, go ahead. Sorry about that. I just wanted to clarify. That's all right. Um, The Bears, number one. I actually think this is really, really interesting and kind of a a good way to go for Chicago. I can't let Bill decide on the personnel. Would Bill at this juncture in his career be happy enough just setting a tone and coaching a team and not just running all of the personnel if there is a significant partnership that he's comfortable with.
3: I think he's going to want to say no matter what. He doesn't strike me as a guy. A say or the final say? I don't know if it'll be the final say. I would like to believe that if he's going to try something different, that he would vary up his approach a little bit. That he would be smarter. He's a process guy. He's all about process, right? He's one of those guys that focuses on the process. He loves the day-to-day. He loves the nitty-gritty. He likes looking for improvement in every regard. At some point, He's got to be self-aware to the point where he looks at himself in the mirror and says, I've done a really poor job with talent evaluation over the last three, four years yeah. because he has done a really poor job. I would like to believe that he could see that and say to himself that he doesn't need to completely cede control over it, but at least work with someone who he trusts who can handle more of that for him so he can focus more on the on-field product.
0: E- evaluate yourself as if you were evaluating players. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly. Well said. So of the available jobs that are open right now, what do you look at and say that is a place that works really well for him? Give me a few different spots.
3: So it's got to be both sides of the street. It's got to work for
0: him. It's got to work for the team. I'll just throw teams at you real quick where we think there will be jobs. And you tell me what you think. Here's a list. Sure. Okay. We're going to go Bears, Chargers, Falcons. Okay,
3: now hold on. You said you're gonna throw them at me I'm throwing and you wanted them at me you. to analyze them and now you're throwing all of them out there. I want you to give me two or three that you like. I was doing that and then you cut me off and said, Hold on, let me throw the teams at you as if I had never heard of what teams were in the NFL before. <sighs> do you want me to give you teams or do you want to list the teams and then I answer? I can't do both. You're mixing them together to where nothing's gonna happen here. This is gonna want, be the old nothing segment. I want you to do
0: what's gonna make you happy.
3: I want to tell you it's the Chargers. I want to tell you it's the Chargers. The Chargers are the team. Right now the Chargers have a young, inexperienced, in-over-his-head head coach who's not capable of doing the job. Brandon Staley is in over his head. He can't do the job. Maybe he'll be better somewhere else down the road, but this job is too much for him. He has failed. You've got to move on from him. Belichick's the guy you bring in. You bring in an older guy who just gets it. And Belichick would work in terms of this checking his boxes because he gets a franchise quarterback. He's not going anywhere where that position is a disaster. There's no reason to continue coaching if you're going to go from one awful quarterback situation to another. Everyone's talking about the fact that his quarterback left and he can't win anymore. The charger job sets up perfectly. And while the Spanos family is cheap, I don't think he's going to want every last dollar to go coach. I think it's going to be if if he continues, he's going to just want to win. That's what it's going to come down to. He is going to want to win games and rewrite this last part of his legacy. That's a job that makes sense. It's not the only one, but that's the one at the top of my list.
0: Okay. I mean, I'm right there with you. I mean, as far as being at the top of the list, the problem is I don't know that he, I, I I do think he's going to want a, a considerable amount of money to do it. Yeah. And I don't know that Spanos is going to lay out that cash.
3: Okay, so if we take the Chargers off the table, what becomes the next most appealing for everybody involved? The commanders. The commanders. Yes. And you think he would be intrigued with the commanders, even though the quarterback situation a little unsettled,
0: so to speak? I do, and I think he would be intrigued by it for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's from that area. You know, he grew up right around Annapolis, and he's always had kind of a fondness Uh, for that organization number two local kid comes home it's a feel-good story yeah i mean that's you know but yeah but (laughs) number two more than anything that team just needs somebody who knows what the hell they're doing you know that's the
3: understatement of the year
0: yeah just (laughs) somebody who actually can hold people accountable for what they're doing and can improve just put in place structure and everything that goes with that. That has been a rudderless ship for entirely too long. There's, has there years. been
3: a moment in this millennium where you've looked at Washington and said, yeah, yeah, they've got it
0: together. No, they did go to the playoffs like early 2000s. Were, were they seven and nine then? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they had Brunel. <laughs> Wasn't it Brunel? It might have been it might have been, but like the last yeah, time I looked at them, it was the nineties, you know <laughs> both both situations with Joe Gibbs, <laughs> they brought back Joe <laughs> exactly. Gibbs, and it wasn't bad. <laughs> Gibbs a good coach,
3: he'll kill destroy his running back, so the Clinton Portis had to carry the ball four hundred times a season for him. They ran him into the ground, but ultimately Gibbs knows what he's doing. What do you got outside of that, yeah. I mean, we kick around some of these other teams. The the Bears are interesting because if you get there, it's not like that division is locked down. You go to the Chargers, you got to worry about Mahomes. You go to the Bears, and it's like, all right, Minnesota's kind of middling. Green Bay's kind of middling. Detroit's not some juggernaut. You could get in there, and you could compete. Question comes down to how you feel about fields, and if you don't like fields, are you going to have a draft pick to get a guy you like, and are you going to be able to develop him quickly? So that one stands out. Most of the other ones I'm not checking though. He, he, I don't think he would want to go to New Orleans. That situation's uh, no. a little bit messy. Carolina, do you want no. do you want to go from Mac Jones to Bryce Young like no. the Alabama quarterbacks? Tampa Bay, you follow Brady, you go to Tampa Bay. Do you no. win there? <laughs> no,
0: that would be hilarious though, wouldn't it? It would be, but I, I mean, I don't think you'd do it just because of that, because of the optics of that. It would be great. That's Although I do think he wants to go somewhere warm. But then, but here's the other part. Bill Barnwell kind of laid out what one of the best situations would be. And in his mind, that is still the New England Patriots. I really don't feel like the Patriots are likely to end up with a coach better than Bill Belichick if they do fire him. So for those reasons,
3: I would say the Patriots should keep Bill Belichick. Try to encourage him to be a little more open to different modes of thought with the offense but there's a lot of advantages to having bill belichick and you don't want to end up hiring the eighth best coach on the market to replace him this upcoming season
0: here's the other thing though though that that gets discounted there sometimes it's just time and it feels like it's just time in new england i mean we're talking about 25 years like it's just time joe
3: that's what it feels like. And and that's not to discredit what Barnwell's saying because Barnwell no. is one of my favorite people at this company. He's one of the smartest, hardest working people you will find. He's a brilliant football mind. So anytime he's talking about anything football related, you're going to learn something if you're paying attention. Mm-hmm. But I would agree more with that. Sometimes you just need the reset. I think everyone just needs a reset. He makes a great point. I, you're right. You might not go out and find a coach who's better than Belichick, but can you create a better situation than the one you currently have? You might not have as good of a head coach, but maybe it's a guy who's coming in, who's hungrier, who can identify a quarterback, get the kid you know, up to speed quickly, and maybe you can get back to contending. But whoever takes that job, it gonna to be tough shoes to fill, but it's good for that guy that Belichick has flamed out these last few years. It's not like Belichick retiring after a Super Bowl and you have to take over that job. You're taking over for Belichick when he's kinda of
0: lost the crowd here. Right. Okay, did that segment come out the way you would be happy with
3: once you got done with the eight different ways you wanted to set it up. And we yeah. actually started talking about it. It was great I, yeah. conversation.
0: I thought as soon as you stopped complaining about every part of it, <laughs> it really took a turn <laughs> for the positives. I'm supposed <laughs> to be the one who's cranky today. I just wasn't sure what we were doing because you sit there and it's
3: like, all well, right, neither so was I, Joe. Give me a team. And it's like, all right, so the team's going to have to look like this. You're like, all right, that's not going to work. I'm going to list the teams and then you do the analysis. Uh, okay, good. You're like, Bears, Chargers, Commanders. Like, Whoa, 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 whoa. No idea what's going on. But we got there. That's the show. That's why this, and we came up with this yesterday when you were out, Carlin versus Joe, the people's show. That's why this is the people show.
0: The people show. Because the people know
3: that they're better than what they're listening to.
0: (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) And by the way, what they're listening to is presented by Progressive Insurance. (laughs) Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. Get all your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com the one in new england not the only dynasty that is quickly coming to an end we'll get into it next carlin versus joe espn radio this is the carlin versus joe podcast
2: on espn radio
0: passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle
2: Warriors forward Draymond Green suspended indefinitely. This is a culmination suspension. This is a body of work that has led to Adam Silver saying, you know what, that's it, you're done until I say so, because right now you are embarrassing not just yourself, the team, but this league.
4: I'm told he wants to get help
0: to try to keep this from happening again. It just feels like maybe there's some kind of an an epiphany, because you're going to cost yourself your ability to play in this league if you keep wailing on people. I mean, it's taken long enough for this to really escalate to this point. It should have happened a long time ago. It's Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. And listen, the repercussions of this, there are the individual ones for Draymond Green. And then there are the ones that the Golden State Warriors now have to deal with. And Joe, like this this whole dynasty thing, it's, it's over at this point. I, I firmly believe that. Not just... Because of this, I think we were trending in this direction, but you've got Clay Thompson who is nowhere near the player that he used to be. The team doesn't want to pay him. It seems ultimately just decided already they're moving on for him from him this coming off season. And when you continue to run into this with Draymond, at least this iteration of the Warriors It's over, Joe. I don't see where any of this is coming back.
3: Well, this is what you want from ownership, right? You had a window, and ownership was very aggressive in trying to maximize that window. They're still being aggressive in trying to maximize that window. You have a generational talent in Steph Curry, and as long as Curry is anywhere close to the top of his game, and he's been very good this year, you've got a chance. The problem for the Warriors now is that all this aggressive spending, all of this aggressive transactioning, which isn't a word, but whatever, transaction making. It's put them in a situation where here's the team they've got and it's going to be hard to revamp it. They've missed on some draft picks in the opportunities they had. Like that number two pick with James Wiseman, oh, that's a big miss. And between Kaminga and Moody, two top picks that they're not getting nearly enough out of, the guys that were supposed to step in as the youth and eventually take over have not developed the way they've needed them to develop. And on top of that, Draymond's game is suffering. Clay's game is suffering. Andrew Wiggins' game is regressing. And now you're at a point where you've spent a ton of money on a roster where you're not getting anywhere near what you need out of it to compete at the highest level. We saw this, or we're seeing this to an extent, with the Rams, right? The Rams sold out everything, draft picks, cap space, you name it, to make as an aggressive play as they could to win a Super Bowl, and they got it. And the Warriors are tried to do that too. But on the back end of that – the tax bill eventually comes due. you got to pay up. And the Rams are dealing with that right now, and the Warriors are dealing with that right now.
0: I mean, can you think about that? I'm glad you brought up the Wiseman thing. Because how often is it that a team that had the success that the Warriors did runs into a season where they lose Steph and they end up in the tank and they end up with the number 2 overall pick? Like, the only other team that I can remember that – was a really, really good team already and then lost their superstar for the year and they end up with another one is the Spurs with Tim Duncan. Exactly. You know, that's exactly the analogy to use. Yeah. And when I look at that and, and as big of a whiff as that was, that is the biggest cog into why they are here. You know, what if they had LaMelo Ball right now? What if they had Tyrese Halliburton right now? Out of that draft,
3: I mean that. Ugh.
0: Can you imagine? I, it,
3: it's easy to look back on that. Oh, of course, it is. He, course. Halliburton went twelfth, so it's not like he was right there. The no, the the thing to pitch would be: had the lottery balls fallen their way, they get one. They get Anthony, Anthony Edwards. Edwards. Yeah, that's the. But then again, I remember being in the Bay Area for those discussions. Like, do you go with Anthony Edwards because you didn't really need another scoring option? You needed a big Weisman. Now looks like an awful pick. The guy's got nothing, absolutely nothing in terms of being able to contribute at the NBA level. But back then, that was the big discussion of, do we need another score, or do we need a big? That's why Wiseman was so appealing. Is any of this salvageable at this point? To continue to run this out? Uh, so I don't know the, the machinations, like a guy like Bobby Marks would. My yeah. thought would be, you know, I, I hate to say this, but I, do you really want to give a legacy contract to Klay Thompson after this no. season? No. I mean, that's a problem. Do you want to stick with Draymond Green at the trade deadline? Someone might be willing to take a shot on him to come in and contribute. And it's not like the contract is that bad. It's Four years, $100 million. His salary cap number this year ranks 66th in the NBA. 66. Yeah. It's not like he, you're paying him a fortune, but he's got to come in and buy in. And then what are you going to do with the young guys? They've done a decent job over the years of trying to make hay. Uh, I remember the D'Angelo Russell trade. They brought him in. That clearly wasn't going to work. They found a way to unload Russell and bring back Andrew Wiggins. That was a great deal because Wiggins played a significant role in the finals when they beat the Boston Celtics. And not just the finals. I mean, he was great throughout all of it. But that was a transaction that really was them – Squeezing everything they could out of a bad situation. I well, don't know if
0: they have that now or to your point earlier, uh, as you were laying this out with Draymond, you look at where they are. And if you're going to take all of the positive that you get out of it and it outweighs the negative, you stick with it. But this is another one of those cases here, what it looks like to me of knowing when to get out. And it can't be any more obvious than right now. It's so if he, he actually comes back from this, says all the right things, I don't believe there's a team in the league that Draymond works with like he works with the Warriors or has worked with the Warriors. Oh, oh, so, without question. So I'm letting somebody else believe that he can be that guy. And somebody will. Look at just what happened with Dylan Brooks. I mean, Dylan Brooks did all that crap at the end of last season and went out and got $25 million a year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, somebody is going to be a big enough sucker to believe they're a Draymond Green away from really contending. And so why don't we just go do this, especially when the numbers, as you just pointed out, aren't all that bad.
3: The thing is that this is a very different situation from almost anything else in that trading this guy, signals the end of the big 3 and it even if it makes the team better long term you're sending a very, very specific message to the fan base. Like if Draymond's gone, that's it. The big three is now broken up. And now everyone's going to start thinking Clay's next because if one domino fell, why wouldn't the other domino fall? And then you put yourself in a situation where how much excitement is there, how many people want to go buy tickets. They opened up Chase Center a few years ago during COVID. I remember being at the first game there. The Clippers came in and beat them by like 40 in that game because everybody was hurt and it was just going to be the down year for the dubs, they're still looking to draw a ton of interest down there, and that legacy act does
0: sell. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We'll continue this conversation in a moment with an NBA executive who can tell you exactly what Draymond Green could do to help another team if he can. That's next on ESPN Radio.
2: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Warriors forward Draymond Green suspended indefinitely. This is a culmination suspension. This is a body of work that has led to Adam Silver saying, you know what, that's it, you're done until I say so, because right now you are embarrassing not just yourself, the team, but this league.
0: I'm told he wants to get help to try to keep this from happening again. It just feels like maybe there's some kind of an an epiphany, because you're going to cost yourself your ability to play in this league if you keep wailing on people. Well, as you heard in Christine's update, Draymond Green suspended indefinitely, came down late yesterday. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM. Channel 80, Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh, joined right now in studio by Scott Perry, ESPN NBA analyst, former Knicks GM, uh, who joins us uh, right now. So, Scott, we were talking about this extensively. We appreciate a few minutes and welcome to the family. How you doing?
4: Good. Thanks, Carlin and Joe, for having me on. Looking forward to spending some time with you guys.
0: Well, we certainly appreciate it. So let's let's get your perspective here right away mm-hmm. on Draymond. Uh, did the league get it right here?
4: The league absolutely got this right. And what you're seeing with this league now led by Adam Silver and Joe Dumars uh, in the position he's in, uh, they attack this understanding the total situation here. First, you you take the punitive side. There's a punitive side to this issue that everybody knows and everybody's looking for some finite number of games. They decided not to go that way, which I agree with, because – the other side to it was the corrective to help the player, in this case, Draymond Green. And, and, and let, let me be uh, be transparent here. You know, I've known Draymond Green for a long time. I've known him going back to his high school days. I, you know, I worked with Joe Dumars uh, in the Detroit Pistons. Draymond hung around us a lot. So they understand there's something going on with Draymond right now. And what you want to do with your player, whether it's him or another player in the future, you want to be able to try to help a young man in his life. There's something that must be going on that's impacting his decisions on the floor for these non-basketball actions to keep happening over and over again um, that is, you know, obviously affected him, affected the Warriors, and and like you mentioned at the top, affected uh, the league itself. So I think they got this uh, exactly right. It gives Draymond the time without putting the pressure on a return to get his life together get the necessary help he needs so that he can come back and be the productive player, productive teammate and productive representative of the NBA.
3: And it's great that the association looks at it like that and considers yes. that because right. that sets an example too. It yes. sends a good message that there's there's concern for the human Yep. concern for the well-being, and also the suspension's part of it, but that's not the whole thing, the punitive part. So I love exactly. it how you laid it out like that. From a Warrior perspective, I've always been of the belief that, you know, we're doing a cost-benefit analysis here. Mm-hmm. What he brings to the table, right. uh, high basketball IQ, all that, its it's worth the trouble. It's worth it because of the production they get out of it. But at some point, guys get older and that starts to swing. Mm -hmm. How do you think the Warriors are viewing their current roster construction long term? Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Is this something that we're going to see with Steph Curry for the next three years or so? Or is it shorter lived?
4: What was evident to me, you know, coming out of the summer and going into this season, the team believed that they were going to be in a position to compete and at least for a deep run in the playoffs, if not get back to the championship round. The problem that has occurred and what we've all witnessed, there's really been only one guy that has shown up to play at that level necessary, and that's Steph Curry. The other members of the Corps, Andrew Wiggins, uh, obviously Draymond, and Klay Thompson, for a variety of reasons, have not held up their end of the bargain right now. So there's got to be concern in that Warriors organization right now and this Draymond situation, how much fatigue is there from the organization and the community at large because they've been dealing with all of these things that have nothing to do with performance on the court. So that's where the Warriors are at right now, and that's what they're faced with. And me sitting on the outside looking at it, I have very strong questions whether uh, this group can continue in, in, in a way that they're competitive enough to, to, to be in that championship conversation.
0: Scott Perry, ESPN NBA analyst, former GM of the Knicks. Okay, so with that in mind, how are you preparing if you're the GM of the Warriors for this coming offseason? How are you proceeding with what we see?
4: Well, I think what's going to be important and I think it was it was going to be important anyway this year, you've got to develop what you have in house because right now during the season, you you're very restricted about what you can do with this roster because you know, you're you sitting on a $400 million payroll, essentially. So guys like Jonathan Kaminga, uh, Marcus Moody, they've got to really start accelerating their development and growth and getting them minutes to see what they have in those guys. You know, you know what Steph has been. He's already showed you. Can Clay Thompson turn the corner this season? Uh, you know, is a lot of his trouble still related to the injuries he's had, his lower extremity injuries he's had over the last, uh, you know, two years ago? Or is it more of a mental thing right now? Is he upset because he wasn't rewarded a contract uh, at the beginning of the season? And then and Andrew Wiggins, where is he at right now? And so as you move through the season, you're hoping that those guys can kind of turn it around. And you're hopeful that whenever this Draymond situation is resolved, that he comes back once and for all drama free if you will to kind of see where you're at. And but you have to be assessing along the way what you may be able to get in the trade market. Uh whether it's at the trade deadline or, you know, coming into the off season where Clay may be a free agent, that makes it a little you know more difficult. But you gotta be uh playing paying close attention to that as well.
3: Bucks Pacers last night, great game. <laughs> Almost five hundred points on the board every time the Pacers are playing these days. Fascinating development after the game. We wanted to get your thoughts on this because we're just two schmucks on the outside, but you've been around the game forever. Giannis goes for 64 in the game. Afterwards, there appears to be uh, a situation that develops where he's going after the basketball. He wants the basketball. The basketball had made its way into the Pacer locker room because Oscar Shibwe, the rookie out of Kentucky, had gotten his first ever NBA points with that ball. So I guess the Pacers wanted him to have it. On top of it, Dame Lillard moved to fifth on the all-time three-pointers made list, passing Kyle Korver, and Giannis said he wanted to get the ball for Dame. How do you sort through something like this when it happens? Have you ever been
4: a part of anything like this? First of all, I haven't been a part of it. But what I can tell you is what has been the, kind of the normal protocol. There's no written rule in the NBA. But look, as the home team, obviously, they're your basketballs. So when the game is over— the normal procedure is the referee will take the basketball over to the scores table. And then someone from the home team organization will come get that basketball. Cause again, they're in your arena, they're your balls. So, and if there's a, a special event that happened that night or, or, or accomplishment that night, in this case, Giannis is 64 points or, or Dame Lillard's going, you know, turning, you know, becoming fifth, uh, all-time and three-point uh, shots made, then you just, you know, the team would go ahead and give him that ball. Or if it was from the visiting team, a common courtesy would be to do the same thing. I have not, in my 23 years, heard of giving a rookie a, a ball for his first made basket. Oh, really? really? In baseball,
3: I, we'll see a guy's first hit, they flip yeah. the ball in, it doesn't happen in
4: basketball. I'm not saying the teams haven't done it, I just the organizations I have been a part of I don't recall us ever doing it's that. Not common, okay? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, uh so did something occur during the game? That led to this. I don't know animosity and feeling they could take the ball. I don't know because I wasn't there. I wish I was to be able to see it. But it's wonderful. It's wonderful story. But it just you know I, I know Giannis's brother was first to to kind of go after the ball, and then then we saw Giannis running after. This, so it, obviously it meant something to him because um, that was a tremendous accomplishment. Obviously. So um, again, that was the first for me to, to witness that.
0: Okay. Wow. Wow, I'm surprised by that. Uh, Do you think Giannis gets suspended for this, Scott? (laughs)
4: Well, you know, the process now, I'm sure, again. you know, uh, my good buddy Joe Dumas is busy again in the office today talking to everybody who was in the back hallway, you know, to see what actually happened and transpired. So I would hate to take a guess what would happen. I would like to think not. I would hope not um but we'll see what the uh what all the interviews and the uh investigation uh Unveiled.
3: Do you think it's possible that Dumars has sent out an email to the entire league saying, Could we not have a problem tonight? I would like one night off. Please give me one night of just drama free basketball.
4: Absolutely. <laughs> He's I'm sure. It. Yeah, exactly. No, it'd be nice to just watch games and enjoy the beauty of the game and the great competition that the NBA brings.
0: <laughs> you sound like a mother or father that just needs a night off after a rough day. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Scott, great stuff. Welcome to the family. We appreciate your insight here. That is something I had never heard before. That's great. Thank you. We're learning. We're learning
4: Thank today. You. All right. Thank you,
0: guys. Scott Perry, former Knicks GM, current ESPN NBA analyst. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't forget to hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888 3776 And by all means, hit us up on this Draymond situation. Did the league get it right? And should this have happened a whole lot sooner? Up next, can Josh Allen avoid turnovers against a defense that forces more than anybody does? Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio.
2: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
3: You must be here for the uh, trivia challenge.
2: You have the answer to this week's trivia question?
0: Oh, I love trivia. What's the boys? It's hammer time.
2: This is the Himbo Hammer.
0: All right, last week uh, we did not get it done. And that was mostly on me because Joe was not very comfortable with the question regarding the Yankees and left-handed hitters hitting 40 home runs. And, uh, you know, it was disappointing. But nonetheless, I admit I came up empty. Really, when you look at it in general now between the picks on the show, which I have pretty much just decided Joe knows what the hell he's doing here. So I'm going to go along for the ride for the most part. And if I disagree, I'll still go along for the ride. And then I'll have the ability to complain after the fact. <laughs> or <laughs> in this case, like I am not holding up my end here either. So one could really argue what I am contributing is nothing. It, it First of all.
3: The, the Hembo Hammer recap that you give is like an obituary. It's okay. It's just a trivia question. You don't get it, do you, you? do the recap, and it's it. like, oh, you know, I Joe didn't know start- this, and I really let us down. It's just a trivia question from Hembo.
0: It's, it's okay. Not that you, it's not that you don't get it. It's that you don't get me.
3: Why You You don't need to be this upset. We need to turn you around a little bit here. Get you fired up. I just want to be right. right. We're all That's here. We're, we're, we're trying to get you there. Okay. I mean, you've been right about several things this year. You're going to cash in big on the Bills if they don't end up going to the playoffs. That was a big, bold prediction before the start of the season. You're one of the only people out there with that one. Focus on that. That one's looking pretty good.
0: If I am nothing, I am big and bold.
3: Yeah. Honestly. I mean, however that, big for sure. I, however sh- that has would
0: go. Yeah,
3: All right. No. Now, let's, let's get our minds right here, okay? We, if, we're, if we're battling our emotions here, we got no shot at taking out Hembo.
0: That's a fair point. All right, here is the question. What's up, boys? So Josh Allen is starting to get more. Oh, stop, 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 stop. He's
3: supposed to do, what's up, boys? It's hammer time. He doesn't even do that anymore? Mailing it in. This is, I'm already disgusted. What's up, boys? So Josh Allen is. No, it's. Yeah, you're right. Take your time, Hembo. Can I get you a Mai Tai? (laughs) Jeez. And listen to the sign of exasperation as if he's being forced to do this. He says, what's up, boys? And then deep exhale. Listen.
0: But and, and not only that, the amount of attention that he now gets not only on get up for when he gets beat a lot on those trivia questions, but also on Greeny, where like if it's clear if Hembo doesn't get his, it's a problem. Okay. It's a problem.
3: So here we go. The, the mail-in in edition of the Hembo Hammer.
1: What's up, boys? So Josh Allen is starting to get some more MVP buzz, and that raises this question. Who is the last player to win MVP on a team that lost six or more games? Good luck.
3: I think we got that one nailed. We talk MVP so much around here. I think we got that one nailed. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't want to take it away from anyone. If anyone wants to have some fun and guess first, but I've got my answer. I'm locked
0: and loaded. Is, it, is your answer the last non-quarterback to win?
3: That would be correct. That is the answer I am going to go with because he was also on a team I always do the, We do these breakdowns on ESPN Bet Live all the time. We're on today, 6 p.m. Eastern, ESPN 2, you know, shameless plug, TV, all this great stuff. Um are <laughs> everywhere. Aside, we You're break everywhere. it down. Just say it. The, 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 the categories that are most important here are quarterbacks have won this like 14 of 15, and it's a one or a two seed in like 12 of 13, something like that. Don't quote me, but it's close. The same guy who didn't win or who wasn't the quarterback also was on a team that was not a one or two seed. Now, did he lose six or more games? I think he did, but I'm going to let anyone else wants to guess take your turn. Joe Fortinball already ready to go here.
0: Only question is, did Lamar Jackson win more lose more than six? I don't think so. Yeah, I was going to say he was probably a one seed.
3: All these other guys being one or two seeds, there's no way they went ten and six. That would be that's an upset of all upsets. You know what? When you when you're talking, can the people hear you? Can to hit hit the mic? Then they went fourteen and two that year. I think. The Ravens. The Ravens.
0: They
3: okay, were, they were the one just...
0: seed. They had the buy. They lost to the Titans. All right, don't jump down my throat. He's, I was just asking a question. He's jumping down
3: my throat. I was very aggressive with the hand gestures. Don't worry. Calm, you got to calm down. You're getting emotional with everything today.
0: Just calm down. I told you, cranky pants. What's your? What do you got? Wearing the cranky pants. It's I'm okay. going with you. I and I'm not just going with you to go with you. Adrian Peterson was my first thought. So. We're going Adrian Peterson. Is that correct? That's what I like.
3: Yes, I'm going with Adrian Peterson as well. Is it's like a dual thing? What's happening here?
0: Yeah, it feels like Harlan the...
3: slid in there at the end and got the name out first, so he can grab the credit. Does no, anyone else no, feel no, no, like no. that's what you, just happened? You, you said it, Evan. First. You can shake your head up and down. That's what I think. That's what just happened.
0: I, I really I can't. You said at the beginning you. that you like to be right. I do like to be right. <laughs> and the first thing I said to you was, was it the last non-quarterback to win MVP? <laughs> all right. We're on the same page. We're a team. I'm on board with you. I don't need all the credit.
3: AP with the Vikings, final answer.
1: The correct answer is
3: Adrian Peterson. So smart. We are so Vikings. smart. We're Get 10, out of here, Hembo. Yeah, you're nerd done talking.
0: Nerd!
3: That was too easy. Bag it, loser. <laughs> See, now do you feel better? You got one. I do feel We're better. We're back in the win category. Everything's right with the world. We got a great Thursday night game tonight. Everything's coming up roses. Everything yes! is coming up Harlan.
0: Exactly. Well, not quite. But listen, uh, that aside, it is going to be cute for people to continue to talk about Josh Allen winning the MVP when the Bills don't make the playoffs. And here we go with this. Exactly. I knew it was
3: only a matter of time before we had to just get cranky again.
0: All right, well, lay it on but, me. But why is it exactly that people are talking about Josh Allen winning the MVP? It's recency bias. I mean, Joe, the Dallas Cowboys under Dan Quinn, has they have forced more turnovers than anybody else over the, por- over the period of time since he took over. 88 turnovers forced in 47 games. Wow. I don't know if you know this. Josh Allen turns the ball over a little bit. A little bit, here and there. 97 times in his 90 professional uh, NFL games. He's got 97 turnovers,
3: not interceptions. 97 turnovers, turnovers in 90 games? Correct. That's a
0: lot. Doesn't seem like the ratio you want to be putting out there, but so be it. I would agree. So from that standpoint, mathematician that I am, (laughs) I I believe that this week things might go a little bit differently. I don't think it's going to be an abject disaster. Don't get me wrong. The Cowboys going to Buffalo. That's not an easy task by any stretch. Uh, The Cowboys in beating the Eagles this past week. That was important for them to prove that they could beat a good team. I'd argue this game equally as important. We can go beat a team like the Bills on the road, but the Bills are inconsistent. And that's what people seem to be losing sight of here, Joe. They are seven and six. That is an inconsistent record. So I would argue that for those who are talking about MVP with Josh Allen, Dan Orlovsky. Need to check themselves before they wreck themselves.
3: <laughs> Way to bring that one home. Way to Thank get you. that cruise ship into port. Job yep. well done. Well, the buzz – see, the, I think the reason why we're throwing out names like this in situations like this this year is because we don't have a clear-cut candidate like we've had in years past. The Mahomes years have always just been so obviously Mahomes or so obviously Aaron Rodgers or so obviously Tom Brady. It's an award where generally one or two guys runs away with it. And we have a little bit of discussion down the stretch and that's it. Like even the Heisman trophy lost all its appeal this season when Bo Nix lost that game to Michael Penix because he was out and everyone knew it was going to go to Jaden Daniels at that point. And we saw it last year in the NBA. Jokic versus Embiid, it went on for a while, two weeks to go in the season. Jokic misses some games. Embiid puts up some big numbers. Boom, it flips. This year, we've got guys all over the place that are flawed, right? All over the place. Like if Brock Purdy was a first-round draft pick, Purdy would be running away with this thing. But because he's not a first-round draft pick, we're all under the assumption he's not good because he's a seventh-round pick. Because we've been conditioned to believe that seventh-round picks aren't good because we don't see many of them do much. He is. He is. But because he's the seventh-round pick, we say, well, it's Shanahan, it's Debo, it's Ayuk, it's McCaffrey, it's Trent Williams. It's everyone but him. If he was the first overall selection, if this was Trey Lance doing this right now, it would be all the shine in the world for Trey Lance. So we're knocking all these guys down. So I see what Orlovsky's saying. You
0: beat Dallas this weekend, big, bad Dallas. You put up some numbers, there's going to be some buzz. Do you think that Josh Allen has any shot whatsoever at the MVP.
3: Yeah, I think he has a shot because if he runs the table and with the field being as open as it is, in my opinion, yes, I do believe he has a chance. Is it a good chance? No, but I do believe he has a chance. He's got some marquee games down the stretch where he can make some big statements.
0: Right now, he is the fifth favorite at ESPN Bet. Dak Prescott, plus 160, then Brock Purdy, plus 175, then Jackson Hurts and Josh Allen at 14-1. to
2: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN radio.